Hi, everybody. My name is Giselle, and I'm the digital marketing strategist here at Texas State University. You're listening to Office Hours, and today I'm here with Adriana. Adriana, what's up? What's up? How are you? I'm good. So you got to speak with Shannon Fossler. How was that? It was amazing. She's an art professor here, and she has the coolest office I've ever seen. Yeah, she has so many cool paintings around her and behind her, and even her paint, her like office was painted a certain color too. It like was. she had different colored walls and everything. Mm-hmm. It was so comfortable in there. I had so much fun. So what did you learn from that conversation with her? I learned that we both have this love for our home town but we had to leave it before we realized how much we love it we have like an appreciation looking back yeah so we hope you enjoyed this conversation between adriana and shannon fossler Can you introduce yourself and what you teach here at Texas State? Sure. My name is Shannon Hayes-Fossler, and I teach Intro to Fine Arts, Curatorial Practices, and Honors Fine Arts, mostly teaching within the School of Art and Design, but also in the Honors College. For our icebreaker, we're going to ask you, what is your most used emoji? The one with the top of the skull missing and the brain kind of smoking, like blow your mind kind of emoji. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mine (laughs) is probably the heart. Yeah, I love that. Where'd you grow up, and how did that affect you as an artist? I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. When I was growing up, I couldn't wait to get out. It affected me in that it forced me to want to know more about the world or get out and see more things. But now I really appreciate the culture of San Antonio. The Alamo is the only thing I really know about San Antonio, honestly. It's really got a very diverse culture, a lot of older buildings. It has a great gallery and art scene, better than Austin. Yeah, and I I appreciate that now. But back when I was in school, I couldn't wait to leave. I I feel the same way. I wanted to get out of my hometown, too, because it's like there's more. Right. Let's go back in time. When was the moment you knew this was it? that this was the thing you wanted to do forever. I was bio pre-med in school when I started. Oh, wow. Because I had made art my whole life and I thought I couldn't make a living doing it. Um, So I thought I'd study biology and that I would make art on the side. And after one year of being bio pre-med at UT, I realized that I could not not have art as a as a major part of my life. I was depressed. I was unhappy. I was miserable. I flipped it and I switched to an art major with a biology minor. And that was the moment when I realized that I needed to be making art for the rest of my life. What are you qualified to do with a master's of fine arts? Teach. But I ended up really liking it. I think I'm decent at it. I just still remembered you. So I think maybe you're well, more than decent, <laughs> honestly. Well, I hope. And I feel like when I, when I don't feel like I am anymore, then it's time to find something else. Because yeah. I don't want to be one of those people that sticks around and like students hate. Right. What was your first job? Uh, my first job, I was a camp counselor. Like a summer camp? Yes. I taught um, a bunch of things I have no business teaching. I taught golfing lessons. <laughs> um, I don't golf. Oh. <laughs> I taught art, but it was like macaroni necklaces and like pinch pot ashtrays. Ashtrays for the parents? Yes. So I read that after your undergraduate studies, you received your MFA in painting. You were in the university gallery in California. What was that like? I finished my undergrad at UT and I went to Chicago for my MFA. And then after graduating in Chicago, I moved to Southern California. I took some jobs working in museums and then I got my first teaching job. I taught one semester and then the chair of the art department asked me if I wanted to manage the gallery. I'd worked in museums and galleries almost my whole life. I'd done all the jobs in museums and galleries. So I thought, yeah, I can do this. It was a ton of fun to get to organize exhibitions specifically geared for students that are non-art majors to come into a gallery and feel comfortable in a gallery and learn something. That was a great challenge and I really enjoyed it. I don't know much about art, so I feel like going into those kind of spaces can be intimidating. It can. So having someone behind it all to be like these other people that don't know art, I need to create something for them too. Yeah, it, it can be really intimidating. What I try to do is break that down and realize that it shouldn't be, that everybody should feel comfortable walking into any space with art and just feeling how they feel. They don't have to feel stupid. They don't have to feel like this isn't for them, like just being comfortable. So... I like that. You are following your passions and making it into a career. What keeps you pushing forward and pursuing your dreams versus a paycheck? I don't feel like I have a choice. 
I'm an artist and I'm an educator and that's who I am. I have to make art. I just don't see another option. I know that a lot of your work now is based on the effects of climate change and the environment in our community. What specific events made you interested in this topic? I was making work since grad school that was about floods and droughts. In 2004, it was Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, and those images of the water and the flooding and the homes and the devastation that really caught my attention. And I became really interested in extreme weather. I was really interested in visible effects of extreme weather. So in, in Katrina, you could see the water and you could see the mold. And in Texas, when there's a drought, you just you just look around, right? And you see it. I mean, it's just, it's very visible. I think I was looking through a National Geographic and there was a photograph of this like extremely skinny polar bear on a tiny piece of ice in the middle of the ocean. Ocean. And it just devastated me. And I started doing more research on ice melt and the populations of animals that were affected by that and glacial recession. And that so that kind of started that series. And I'm still working on that series. It's really beautiful. I looked at your website oh, thank and you. I love it. Aside from your work with the art of decay and climate change, what inspires you as an artist to continue to teach here? The students. When I first started teaching, I was super idealistic and I was like, I'm going to change everybody. Um, and I realized relatively quickly that um, if I can get like 10% of my classes to look at something differently than they did before or think about something differently than they did before or walk into a museum that they maybe wouldn't have gone into before, then I've won. I teach huge classes. So 10% is still a lot. And Texas State has such a diverse student population. I really do enjoy that I taught art majors at UT and it was a very different. They were already on board, right? They were art majors. This was what they wanted to do with their lives. And here I teach general ed students. That to me is an opportunity. What parts of your visual arts have found its way back into your teaching? When you're making art, um, you have to think about who are you making work for? I have to learn to communicate in a visual way that speaks to what I want to say with my work and speaks to, for me, the broadest possible audience. Figuring that out in my studio practice has helped me to figure that out in the classroom. I, I try very hard to not speak in overly academic language, not dumb it down because that's not at all what I'm doing. Um, my visual art practice has contributed to that, to, to how I express myself verbally. Something that I appreciate with teachers is when they don't make you feel stupid, but they get down to your level, especially with art, because sometimes some people don't see the same thing. Right. So it's amazing that you do that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. What have your students taught you here at Texas State? My students have taught me resilience. A lot of Texas State students are here because they want to be here. This is a crazy time that we're living in. You still show up. A, a lot of the students, I, again, I try to focus on the positive, um, have really taught me about the value to them of their education. Specifically working in the art department, there's a really diverse population of students, a lot of identity issues, and they go to the school, which is you know, maybe not the most accommodating school in Texas for that, but they still show up and they do it and they try to change it. I mean, so, you know, that kind of stuff, it just makes me very happy. It makes me happy too. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe my generation's actually showing up. Sometimes it's hard to believe they do it, but we do it every time. You do. What was the most challenging part about your college experience? I worked a lot. So it took me five years to graduate, but I worked a full-time job and a part-time job the whole time. That was challenging, but I don't regret it at all. I love school, so I would stay longer if I could have. I'm like that, yeah. That was probably the most challenging part was just managing and balancing the work and school. Do you have any advice for managing time? I think I'm in the same boat. How'd you do it all? You have to be realistic. For me, I had to realize that something had to give. I couldn't do it all. And if it meant taking 12 hours instead of 15 hours or dropping back my hours at work and not going out as much with my friends because I didn't have the money, I that took me two years to realize that. So I got a little bit behind. I think I learned a really valuable lesson. So it's like a hard lesson, I think. Yeah. And you can't you can't beat yourself up about it. You just have to be honest with yourself what you can and cannot do and, and realize that this is for me so that I can succeed.
I want to talk about this painting right here. It's <laughs> looks like a toilet that has Christmas lights strung across it in a bathroom. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about this? You made this? No. No? Okay. No. In grad school, we had this floor that had all these all of our studios on it. And it was like this long kind of shotgun floor. And there were studios on either side of this hall. One of the guys that I went to grad school with across the hall was painting these like realistic images of like everyday things. And I always loved his work. When we all graduated, you had to like clean out your studio and move everything out. And various people addressed this in different ways. I destroyed most of my work because I couldn't move it. And I didn't want it just to be hanging out. And a lot of people just left their work in the studio. So I literally went through people's studios and took the work they left in the studio. That's smart. So I took that. I took these really massive paintings that are in my house. Um, yeah, it was great. Nice. Do you remember who that I was? I say Tim something, but I don't. I think it might say on the back. No, that's awesome. I really like that. It's like sentimental. You have something to yeah. talk about when you yeah. look at it. I have a variety of tastes in art. I mean, everything in here is from somebody I know or went to school with. The piece behind you is a um, made by dropping blood on a slide and then putting it in a scanner. Oh, wow. A friend of mine is a photographer. I like a lot of different things. That's awesome. Thanks for asking. What has been the most affirming moment for you? You in your career? It's little things. Like you saying you went to the music store, say, and you enjoyed looking at what you were looking at. Or students will email me like a year later saying they were traveling with their parents and they went into the Louvre and they really appreciated it in a different way, you know, and I love that. That makes me so happy. I had a student recently who emailed me um, and she said that she had to do a critical review and she had to go to a play and she went with the person who was sitting next to her because they were talking and they said, let's just go to the play together. And now they're getting married. Oh, wow. And she was like, we met in your class and our first date was the play. And I was just like, oh, my God. Just the fact that students feel comfortable reaching out to me and like telling me about these things. I love that. The connection stays. Forever. Yeah, that's awesome. Meeting in class and then like that's Isn't that your adorable. Yeah, that's amazing. Perfect love so story. Cool. And that was the last question. But now if you have anything to add, like anything you want to speak to the people. This is an amazing time in your lives and it's only going to happen this one. I realize that it's a gift. It's a gift to be educated. It's a gift to go to college. It's a gift to live this life that, that y'all are living right now. Take advantage of it and appreciate it. Okay, noted. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Office Hours. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and make sure you tune in next time to learn more about the experiences of our amazing Texas State faculty. And also, remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at TXST. This podcast is a production of the Division of Marketing and Communications at Texas State University. Podcasts appearing on the Texas State University Network represent the views of the host and guest, not of Texas State University. Once again, I'm Adriana, and I'll see you next time. Bye.